Hello there, and welcome to Long Distance Joy, conversations between two long-distance friends about faith, culture, life, and all the things that bring us joy. I'm Lizzie. I live in uh, North Texas with my husband and my son, and I work as a client manager for a tax consulting firm. And I'm Abby. I live in the D.C., Washington, D.C. area, working in the nonprofit world um, as a recruiter, so helping people find their right fit in the workplace. We're so glad you're here, and we can't wait to get started. Wonderful. Thank you. Hello, Lizzie. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. You're awfully quiet. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Sorry, we have some domestic house cleaning going on at my end, so if you can hear that that noise in the background, just let me know. (laughs) No, it's perfectly fine. I think we're good. Okay. All right, so shall we get going? Yes, so I think today our topic is pilgrimages, and um, due to some recent travels, Abby's going to start us off. Yes, I am. So I was really fortunate enough in uh, the month of August, so very recently, to go on a trip to Israel, so to go visit the Holy Lands. Um, And to be honest, I had never really had it on my to-go list, my my short list for travel, but, you know, having the opportunity to go with a group was really something you can't turn down, so I I was like, all right, I'm going, I'm on board um, and get there. And it's, it's hot. <laughs> it is definitely um, desert-like. Um, but that being said, there was something just in- incredibly beautiful about seeing the Holy Land and knowing that truly that this is where Jesus walked, like his feet actually touched this, this dirt. You know what I mean? You're very tangibly sharing the same space. <laughs> um, and it was just really incredible. It was there for about 10 days and ate a lot of hummus, but some of the highlights in terms of like really, really visiting and kind of pil- on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land was being able to go to, um, I'll kind of, I'll start with the, the really cool and work up towards the more amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sounds good. Um, yeah. So we were able to go to the chapel of Gethsemane, so the garden where Jesus was during, um, you know, his last hours before being arrested and taken, taken prisoner. Um, and it was just very moving to see what Jesus would have seen. He's looking over, you know, into seeing Jerusalem and recognizing that these are the people who are betraying him and yet nonetheless how much he loved them and still was willing to give of himself. And so just being able to share that space and there's a rock in the church there and you can actually touch and it's tradition has it. That's the rock that Jesus, you know, was weeping over Jerusalem mm-hmm. on top of that rock. So being able to touch that and think that our Lord may have actually have shared that space and touched it, his, his physical atomic presence. You know, he was actually there. It was just absolutely mind blowing to really just, to be in that space. Um, and then we were able to go to Capernaum and, and be on the Sea of Galilee and just see the places that Jesus would have been familiar with and to look out in the same landscape that's been pretty much there for you know several thousands of years now. And again, to know that you're walking in the same pre- presence and place that Jesus was. So those are some of the ones that were just really amazing and just to know. Um, but the third one that I just want to mention was there's, <clears throat> so we're at the Southern wall of the temple mound and, you know, there's some, there's some political geopolitical stuff going on in terms of who can enter which space and who's in control and control of that area. So, but we're looking at the temple, the original wall that would have been there again at the time of Christ. And there are some doors, some old gigantic, you know, like 20 foot openings um, <laughs> that have since been filled in. Um, they've, you know, they're just kind of, you can't go through them anymore. But there's these um, lintels, like the steps that would have led you through those doorways that do date back to the time of Christ. And we know Jesus went to the temple in Jerusalem, and we know he would have gone in through these doors. 
because this is just kind of the normal front door. So we actually, there's like a, a two by four chunk of rock that Jesus touched. Like we know definitively his feet touched this. Um, mm, that's incredible. Yeah. And you can, you can sit on it. You can just spend time thinking about what that means and what that means for us as Christians and as people who try to follow Christ. Um, and so it was just really incredible to have that experience again of sharing space with our Lord. Um, but I think my personal, the thing that I'm still digesting of this pilgrimage that has really moved me um, was actually visiting the chapel, or I'm sorry, the church of the Holy Sepulcher. And there's a lot of history about this one. There's a lot of uh, funny quirks about how the church is divided up because there's six different um, religious groups who control different parts of the church. So there is chanting in one area, there's an organ playing in this area, there's a, there's singing in another area. So it's very wow. dynamic and you really get a sense of kind of all those who have followed Christ and how diverse that really is. Um, mm-hmm. But I was able to go there. And so we went super early one morning because um, we we're trying to make it to mass one morning and we walk in <laughs> mass is every half an hour. Well, we figured out mass was in Polish. So that was a bit of an experience. <laughs> we're like, you have to kind of go up these really steep stairs up to the rock of Calvary. You can actually have mass there. And so we're there and, you know, we're kneeling and watching and participating in mass and just the recognition kind of dawned on me as the priest elevated the host and says you know you know this is my body and realizing that like the cross would have been in line with where the priest was standing where my sight like my sight line was um yeah I'm totally processing that because that was just such a moving experience to realize like where I'm kneeling I would have seen Christ crucified like seeing our Mm. Lord and our Savior giving all that he has out of love for me um and it was it was so moving and I, I genuinely am still like thinking about it and just praying about it because it's been almost a month honestly since I was there now, but it just really has left an impression. Um, the true miracle of this trip was um, the group I was traveling with actually wasn't Catholic. Um, so we were kind of seeking out mass times on our own. So we ended up going to very early mass times just to accommodate mm-hmm. the, the group as a whole, uh, which is totally fine. There's something special about walking around Jerusalem when it's silent in the mornings. And it's very quiet. Uh, but the very mm-hmm. first day we were there, it was so funny because um one of the, the guys in our group who come with us, who actually is also not Catholic, he came just, you know, really experience the church and to kind of share in that experience with us. And he ended up striking up a conversation with another English speaking priest, who it turns out he is connected with someone who I was roommates with in college or right after college. I was in her wedding last summer. It was just such a crazy experience that he knows her family well. and was like, oh my gosh, can we meet here in, in Israel of all places? Um, but because we ended up meeting him, we were able to go to mass with him two days and three days in a row total. Um, and as we were leaving Jerusalem, we were kind of talking about this experience of being able to go to mass three times on, on Calvary. And we Mm -hmm. realized we went to mass Friday, Saturday, and Sunday consecutively. Providence. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? We're like, oh my gosh, this is unreal. Like, how did we, how did that happen? Um, and it was just, you know, it was beautiful to really, again, to experience that back to back and to really just see the Lord's plan for our time being there and, and to know that it was, it was just so fruitful because you can actually walk up. So kind of the logistics of being at the chapel on top of Golgotha is that there is actually, um, the Greek Orthodox chapel is, is built directly upon mm-hmm. the rock where the cross would have been mounted. Um, but you can walk up and you actually, it's kind of, it's kind of a little bit difficult. You have to kind of like get on your knees and kind of scoot up underneath the altar space and you can actually put your hand down through this little opening and actually touch the rock um so it is you can you can't just like 
microscope and like leave notes on it like the western wall it's much it's pres- it's protected mm. to really maintain the integrity of the stone but you can in mm-hmm. one place put your hand through and actually just rest your hand against the rock face of calvary um wow yeah it's just it's so moving and then to see like you know where jesus would have been like on the cross looking out at jerusalem again it's just kind of seeing him with new eyes and recognizing that this isn't just like a a moving story or you know mm-hmm. a wise man or something like that but this is truly our lord who we believe and know like had a physical shape he was fully god fully mm-hmm. man excuse me <clears throat> and so it was just a really incredible experience but it kind of has left me reflecting on it and about why that trip you know it kind of was spiritually refreshing in a lot of ways um, but just mm-hmm. because you're you're physically you're spiritually and you're mentally kind of moving towards our lord by having mm-hmm. to like crawl on your knees in some ways or or to stand on and dusty areas that you know that he would have been as well but you're like kind of moving towards understanding who he was and therefore our relationship with god better Mm -hmm. Um, so it's definitely been it's food for thought it's it's soul food it's kind of been across the board but it was just such an incredible experience so looking forward to going back hopefully soon um (laughs) but it was just an incredible pilgrimage and incredible trip overall so yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. I think that's a, a great thing. I know that um, you were saying when we were uh, planning this podcast, you were saying that, um, you know, there is such a difference between retreat and, um, and pilgrimage. Like you said, I know pilgrimage is, is more walking towards and retreat is usually kind of more within. Um, did you yeah. want to touch on that at all? I'm sorry? Did you want to touch on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just thinking about it, trying to understand, like, how to explain, you know, why, why we talk about retreats and pilgrimages a little differently. Um, because it's, you can do a retreat from the comfort of your own home. You know, if you have a really good spiritual book or something like that, it's very easy to, I don't, I don't want to say easy, because retreats are not usually easy, because you're kind of supposed to get out of your comfort zone. Um, right. Logistically easy, though. Exactly. Exactly. Especially when there's children Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> that distinction is that, you know, pilgrimage, you have to go somewhere and you have to physically mm-hmm. move. I mean, there's usually retreat elements, you know, you're praying, there's prayerfulness, there's usually quiet involved. Um, but despite all that, I think it requires us to be, to really integrate who we are as people, you know, because we're not, we're not just souls floating around. We're not, you know, disembodied um, in some way. We are really meant to worship God, body, mind, and soul. And I think pilgrimage is a really unique way to do that. Because it requires mm-hmm. you to, to move, to be physically engaged. And frankly, out of your comfort zone, I don't speak Hebrew. And so, you know, sometimes like trying to figure out, like just trying to find the church of the Holy Sepulchre in and of itself was a bit of a, you know, we're like, Google Maps is great, but only so helpful. And so, you know, things like that, trying to really, right. uh, be present and ask for help in a different language and really, you know, see the streets, see where you're going. Um, we found if you follow nuns, though, that's a pretty easy way to find the church. It was very resourceful. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like our little guardian angels. They were kind of going in front of us. Like, right, there are nuns going there. There must be a church nearby. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Maps when you have nuns, just follow. <laughs> follow the nuns exactly. Oh, that's yeah, exactly. awesome. But yeah, so just that that in, intrinsic kind of um, integratedness that we're called to as Christians and as, especially as Catholics, how we understand that our body and what we do with our body is so integral to the way in which you worship, which is why, you know, JP2's theology of the body, why that's important, why in mass, we don't just, 
you know, stand or sit, we stand, sit and kneel, we genuflect, we make the sign of the cross, it really draws us out of ourselves, I think, in a way, because we're having mm-hmm. to physically engage with our prayer life. And pilgrimage is just like, it nails it. <laughs> it does all those things. Um, yeah, absolutely. But especially being in a new place, it just makes you come out of your comfort zone, I think, in a lot of ways. But that mm-hmm. way you're more, I think it allows you to be more open to kind of that quiet voice in your heart when you finally reached your destination of the pilgrimage. Yeah. Oh, so. for sure. I love the way you say that. That's a great way to say it. So, um, so I'm going to share my experience with uh, pilgrimages. Um, definitely two, two sides of the spectrum. Um, when I was in high school, I was blessed to have a mentor who um, really kind of took me under her wing spiritually. And um, we, one of the things that we would do kind of to um, really beef up our spiritual life is she would take me on pilgrimages throughout the city. So um, there was one time, this is kind of the time that stands out the most um, in my mind, was to, um, we took a pilgrimage and she wanted specifically to do it for the intention of the finances for um, my college. She knew I wanted to go to a, a really great Catholic private school that was also very expensive. And so she said, you know, let's do a pilgrimage for the intention of your, you know, college and, and all the finances working out. So we wanted to go to this one church, but she said that she had called ahead and found out that the church was actually closed that day. So she said, you know, no problem. We'll do, we'll just go to this um, little chapel just down the street that is actually inside of a hospital. And so um, for those of you who are unaware, you can actually do a pilgrimage pretty much anywhere, um, anywhere, anytime. Um, and kind of the logistics of it is you either say a rosary on the way there, you say a rosary while you're there, and then you say a rosary while you're leaving. And usually there's some kind of um, um, sacrifice involved. Either you have the um, air conditioner turned off or, you know, you don't talk when you're done. You do some sort of small sacrifice to go along with those prayers you're saying. Um, if you're really pressed for time, you can even do one within the rosary. You can say two decades while you're going, a decade while you're there, two decades as you're leaving. Um, this time we did a whole decade, or I'm sorry, a whole rosary on our way there. Did a rosary while we were at this small little hospital chapel and then a decade on the way back. So, it so turned out that the little chapel had a statue of Our Lady of Lords, who I'd always had a picture of in my room growing up. So I thought that was, you know, kind of cool, really great. So fast forward a couple of months later, I get the letter from my selected college about finances. Um, and the letter contained good news. It said that um, everything was going to work out. I had gotten enough scholarships, qualified for enough financial aid. It was all going to work out. And it turns out I received that letter on the feast of Our Lady of Lords. Oh my so gosh! <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty great. I took that as a sign that my pilgrimage had been answered, and that you know Our Lady of Lords is really um, interceding for me pretty much throughout my life. Um, and I've continued to have a really strong devotion to her ever since. I actually got married on her feast day. Um, and then when I was doing my semester abroad, I made a, a real pilgrimage to Lourdes, which ended up being um, quite the logistical fiasco. Who's <laughs> <laughs> traveled uh, internationally or in Europe knows that um, all it takes is one thing to go wrong and then the entire plan can get skewed. But 
even though um, we had some issues getting back from Lourdes, our time there was absolutely incredible and just um, very, very beautiful place, very holy, you could tell. Um, so, so that's been my experience with pilgrimage is that you can do it on a big grand scale. You can do it just in your own home or you can start in your own city. Yeah. But typically it's a, it's a very powerful prayer and a great way to, you know, really connect with, um, you know, the heavenly, the heavenly church. That's so. beautiful. Yeah. I didn't realize that you got the letter about your financial aid. I didn't realize there was such a long story for you with Our Lady of Lords. I knew that yeah. Lords obviously had special meaning given when you got married. But, right. But I didn't realize it, it was bigger than that. That's so incredible. I love that. Yeah. That was the, uh, that was how I, I really knew like, gosh, she's the, she's the one, she's the one who's really got me. And being able to actually go to Lords um, was just an incredible experience just from the, you know, the train ride there was uh, really beautiful. We actually made it at night and tried to sleep on the train, which was really difficult. Um, and then we got there and it was um, just barely like the break of day. And so walking around the, this quiet little town where, the only reason people come there is to pray. So the people that live there are accustomed to, you know, this quiet, prayerful attitude. And I can only imagine how beautiful it must be to live there and to, you know, see these people coming and begging for miracles and seeing those prayers answered. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I can't even imagine just, you know, how incredible that must be to witness that, you know, just as a part of your life. Yeah, I'm sure. I wonder if it's, would you say it's kind of similar to like how Assisi is very peaceful and quiet? Ah, yes. Okay. Very, very much so. Okay. That was like, I just think of Assisi and maybe now Lords too, it was like the most peaceful place on the planet. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's like very reverent and very peaceful. Yes. And it's not very... like dead silence. It's like a holy silence. It's a very full, mm -hmm. a lively kind of. Yes. A very happy silence. Not yeah. an oppressed silence, but a very yeah. peaceful, contented, just happy silence <laughs> exactly it's not like you're taking a test there's like <laughs> right like exactly yeah like you're being shushed in church it's it's <laughs> just there's no need for words you have all this beauty and all this grace just floating around so yeah. it was um, just an amazing experience so you know i just want to reiterate for our listeners that um you know you don't have to have a lot of resources you don't have to have a lot of money you don't have to get on a plane you can do one pretty much anywhere where you've got a church or even a home shrine you can do. Um, and I think it's a great way to involve um, little ones because you yeah. know, you're moving and doing something kind of like how Abby had uh, just touched on that you, you know, you're, you're physically moving towards something and you're physically standing before something. And, you know, we're, we're humans. We need, um, you know, we need to use all of our senses in prayer, which I think is something that sometimes is easy to forget. You know, you need to use your sense of, of motion, of seeing, of hearing, of um, smelling, you know, if you have incense or candles or anything like that. Yeah. Just, you know, being able to do those things on even a small scale doesn't take away from the fact that your prayers will be heard. As you can see from my story of making a pilgrimage to a teeny tiny hospital chapel. With yeah. <laughs> That's really the location. Cool. It's the intent and the, the faith with which you go. Exactly. Yeah. And while you were talking, it actually made me remember of another type of pilgrimage that I have done, which I forgot about, actually, <laughs> is that uh, on Holy Thursday, there's a special type of, it's called the Seven Churches Visitation. Um, yes. And yeah, I never heard of it, honestly, before, I guess, two, 
Easter's two two mm-hmm. Easter's ago, and um, one of my roommates and I was like, we're just gonna do this, and so we. With the help of Google Maps, once again, we mapped out because where I live in in Northern Virginia is so close to DC, and there's, mm. I mean, where I from my home, there's like five churches within like a ten minute drive, maybe fifteen. Like it's crazy how many churches are here, um, and they're all mostly older as well. So there's a lot of beautiful architecture. But so two years ago, we did this, and we just kind of we you know listened to sacred music in between, and we remained silent the whole time we were driving. And this does take some time because we started with, um, you know, Holy Thursday, Holy Thursday mass which is the last mass here before easter um and then because that's usually like seven so it ends at like eight and then we started that church and then you do you visit six other churches after that first church and we were spending like 15 minutes in each place and driving and so we ended up finishing honestly after midnight but oh, wow but just the blessings that came of that we were because one thing too is when you're looking for the altars of repose which they usually have you know so beautifully arranged for holy thursday they're not always in the north. They're not in the church itself. They're usually like in a side chapel or somewhere else in the church premises. And so it was kind of like a, you know, I don't want to say where's Waldo, but it felt like that. And sometimes you're kind of like, is it here? Like, I feel like it's probably in the school gym. You know, you're like following other people who are also kind of meandering around the church properties. Um, but it was really cool because we did it the past years now this past year we even kind of made it a little more structured so my one roommate was just so great and she found scripture passages and music that aligned with that passage yeah I mean so we were we had a car full of people but it was silent and it was so beautiful because it was just we had music playing that reflected the scripture passage that she read and then we had like 10 minutes in between um just silent reflection Uh, but you would begin to see the same people at the different churches who were also doing this pilgrimage yeah it was it was so neat just to know that like we were doing this with a kind of the church as a whole there were you know there are many people who were doing the same journey exactly exactly and so it was kind of cool because you kind of like you like see each other and you're like ah you're doing the same thing I am um Mm -hmm. but it just you kind of almost have like a kinship with them which is really special that journeying together Uh, but also just recognizing that you know it's not about us in that time it's really about comforting our lord as he's you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, just in deep, in deep, I would say agony, very, very mental and very spiritual agony. Um, and to be able to kind of, again, but engaging your body in that you're not just staying at one place for a super long time. You're actually, you're going church to church. And I've heard of families who are, you know, bigger families, even who have lots of little kids, uh, even starting before um, the evening mass. So it's a little bit more doable when you have little ones. Because we've, we've never finished before midnight. So I don't know how feasible that really is. Um, so you have littles involved, perhaps uh, modify as you need. But it's, it's called the Seven Churches Visitation. So just another great example of local pilgrimages you can do to, to really walk with the, the footsteps of Christ. That's fantastic. I love the idea of that almost being like a rite of passage that, oh, now you're old enough to go on the seven, you know, go visit the seven churches instead of, it being like, oh, I can stay up till midnight on New Year's Eve. <laughs> like, oh, I get to go, I get to, I get to go to seven churches on Holy Thursday. I like that. That would be like a really great thing. Like, you can only stay up for Santa this year if you can stay up for the seven churches. Like, yes. <laughs> like that's when you know you like. That's when you know that they're old enough to drink coffee is when they're able to participate or like. <laughs> exactly. That's how you know you become a little adult. You like. <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. Adults in the church, they like cut their teeth on Holy Thursday. <laughs> That's a really good point, though. I love that you can like really make it very dynamic and make it a part of kind of the, a family tradition. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm big on on family traditions and, um, you know, creating those kind of continuities that, you know, kids can look forward to every year and that we can look forward to every year. You know, I like, mm-hmm. I like structure, I like order, and I like that there's kind of a something that you're able to look forward to and that you're able to know is going to stay the same no matter what may have changed year over year. This, you know, this one thing is always going to be the same. We're always going to do, you know, this particular activity every year at the same time. I think that you know, those sorts of things are really important, you know, year over year through the families, because they give you kind of a sense of stability and um, a sense Mm -hmm. of knowing, um, knowing that everything is going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think is kind of a great thing, you know, a great thing to to think about as well, while you're contemplating, you know, the next move for your prayer life of, you know, things that can provide stability and uh, provide continuity as the world is ever shaking around us. And, you know, you see even the church being shaken from within it's I think those things are very important to find and to kind of latch onto yeah do you you mentioned a rosary earlier but do you have other resources or prayer books or things like that that you use kind of regularly to make like personal retreats or pilgrimages um I had started the and I'm probably totally going to butcher the name but I think it's um 33 days oh yeah yeah glory it's the one for the sacred heart consoling the heart of Jesus maybe yeah, that sounds good. Um, it was, I started it. I haven't finished it oh, yet because I had the baby, but. Um, yeah, is it 33 Days to Merciful Love? That's it. Thank okay. you. <laughs> yeah, I think we have a couple of copies floating around our house right now, which is why I'm coming <laughs> furiously trying to remember the title and I couldn't find it in time. But yes, that's <laughs> the one I was thinking of. Yeah, that's a great one. Oh, yeah. Well, I've actually, take that back. I've only done the Morning Glory one. Mm hmm. Oh, yes. Glory one's great. Um, the other one I would also recommend it's, um, it's very similar to 33 days to morning glory. It's the, um, the totus to us, uh, consecration to our lady. Um, that I definitely would recommend we, so since I had done one in high school, um, a while back and then, uh, did another one, uh, with my husband before we were married, um, that was the totus to us, um, I guess I don't want to call it version, but it's all based on uh, Lydia Montfort's devotion to okay. Our Lady. And so a couple of other people have come along and created new versions of that. So the first one is originally called True Devotion, True Devotion to Mary, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. I think I've done that. Yeah, and that one's very intense. Very, very good, but very intense. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I know there's 33 Days to Morning Glory, and then um, John Paul II wrote a version and um, that one, I just absolutely love it because I love um, how dynamic John Paul II's um, writing is and you know, very easy to understand and to digest, but also definitely doesn't skimp on the content. Mm-hmm. It's also very, very rich and very deep, which I really appreciate. Um, so I've done that one. Um, we also did that in preparation for our marriage and we intend to do it every year to end on our anniversary, which is the Feast of Our Lady of Lords. So I look forward to making that one also a family um, situation, a family tradition. I love that. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. That's actually my date of renewal as well. Oh, is Our Lady of Lords? Yeah, because it's February 2nd. Oh, it was February 11th. That's what I meant. Um, new is February. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm doing it wrong. Oh, I'm doing your own feast day. No, I just, yeah, I remember thinking that actually because it's in my, um, my calendar so that it reminds me every year and I think oh, I remember so adding like your anniversary into my calendar and was like oh that's <laughs> funny that's the day of my consecration 
Oh, that's oh, that's so great. So just like a little side note. So most um, Catholic couples, when um, after they're married, they'll go up and they'll present roses to uh, Our Lady. So we did that. And then while we were presenting the roses, that was when we said the prayer of consecration. And um, I, I mean, as Abby can definitely attest, I'm a pretty emotional person. And sometimes the waterworks come on a little too easily. But surprisingly, I'd held it together for... Um, for my wedding and yeah, I made it through, I was good. And then we got to the, you know, the statue and we're doing the roses and we got to the part of the consecration where you say your name. And I realized I had to say my new married name and oh my goodness, I just like lost it. Started like just tears streaming, trying not to bawl so I can finish the rest of the prayer. But my heart was just so full in that moment and realizing that, you know, Our Lady had really watched over me every step of the way. And, you know, when I went to the pilgrimage for um, actually two lords, I had prayed for the intention of my future husband. And, and here he was, here he was standing next to me. So it was a very emotional moment to realize just the beauty and the, the depth and the fullness of our faith and how it really touches, you know, just every aspect of our life, even if we don't know it at the time. That's incredible. I, w- I need to like go back and look at photos now to like put that timeline together. That's I had no idea. That's really beautiful. <laughs> uh, yes. So that should have uh, gone on our last podcast when we talked about vocation. You're like, just pray to our Lady of Lord. She's got you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think it's it's great too. How um, I'm sure Abby, you've been there, the National Basilica ever in DC. I think mm. it's the Basilica of Immaculate Conception, right? Is that That's in title? Baltimore. The one in you talking about the one in DC. Um, well, now I'm not sure which one I'm talking about, ah. which is the one that's in, that's right next to Catholic University. That's the cathedral. Um, yes, I'm, I always mix okay. this up. Um, no, I'm pretty sure the Immaculate Conception or hang on, maybe it makes, maybe it's the Assumption is in Baltimore. Okay. It's uh, in DC. Um, I know they have leading up to the altar. Of course, it's a huge church. They have, um, all these different side chapels and each one's dedicated to a different um, title of Our Lady. So there's one for Our Lady of Sorrows. There's one for um, Our Lady of Guadalupe. There's one for, um, I think, Our Lady of Fatima. So it's really beautiful to see, you know, all these different cultures because Our Lady has appeared to so many different cultures and under so many different titles and apparitions. And um, I think it's beautiful that, you know, she always connects with the people that she's um, appearing to you know, she doesn't yeah. necessarily appear the same you know in the same garments every time you know she'll she'll like she shows that she really is of that particular part of the body of christ so like for our lady of guadalupe she was wearing the traditional uh garments of those people and same thing with our lady of lords she was wearing you know more of garments that the french people would recognize and so mm-hmm. um just yeah, i think it's just really beautiful how you can see these different different titles kind of coming together so you know if you if our listeners are um you know struggling for something that they can connect to i definitely recommend looking into the different titles of our lady um because you know she really does find a way to connect with everybody to bring people closer to her son that's so true and i have to just put a footnote in that i was very wrong and you were very right uh the one in dc is i just looked it up because i was like i live here i have to know this um so the one at CUA is called the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. Um, oh, okay, so it is a Basilica of a, of a shrine. Okay, so that makes sense. And then the one in Baltimore, just to add to the confusion, which so I've been to this one, highly recommend going to this Basilica. It's actually the original Basilica 
of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, which, fun fact, was oh, the cool. first diocese of the United States. Kind of cool. How neat. Yeah. Well, yes, because that's why they named it Maryland, right? Maryland. So that's actually an unfortunate misnomer. Sorry, this is like my Maryland oh, no. history coming up. No, it was actually named after some king's wife or daughter. One of the two. Um, yes. So not quite as, I mean, I'm sure the Catholics were like, Ugh, it's after Our Lady. Um, but to the one... <laughs> Sorry. I mean, probably. I, I grew up thinking that. Um, but the one in Baltimore City is called the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So we have the Immaculate Conception and the Assumption. So I was like, I know they're both Marian, but I couldn't remember their names. Um, beautiful. Both beautiful. The Basilica in Baltimore is, is older. It was built, um, I think, even before like the revolution. Like It's pretty old. Um, and one of the yeah, it's so beautiful. And it was recently, sorry, this is so much of a side note. Um, like 10 years ago, they actually redid the interior to kind of match the original design of the church because it had over years, it just gotten dark and dirty and they were very, they had painted it very dark colors and there was very heavy stained glass and, and they kind of took it back to the original design that the original architect had mapped out. And so it's this beautiful light filled, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful church. So we have those oh, two yeah and it's just beautiful that we have such a presence of our lady i mean because I, I think there's even one of our lady's titles one of mary's titles is our lady protector of the americas yes okay okay that's what i thought yeah which yes. is just such a beautiful thing and i remember as a child last mary in footnote my, my mom even mentioning to me um and i was really little I remember looking out of the car as we we're driving somewhere and she was like you can think of mary's veil as like the blue sky and how she's kind of got us all Aww. under her protection it just always kind of stuck with me Oh, so, I love that. I yeah. love the thought of people, maybe Abby being like, hmm, and looking at the sky. <laughs> that's fantastic. That, you know. <laughs> no, that's great though. But yeah, so just kind of all the things kind of tying into the pilgrimage though, that you can, you can do it. Like you're saying, you can go anywhere. You can be your mm-hmm. local basilica, your local cathedral, your local parish or a shrine. I mean, there's so many, and people don't mm-hmm. always realize how close they're like in Texas, you have, all the original missions in that area, which are beautiful. You can do a mission walk. You can go find different shrines. If you're on the East Coast, we have Emmitsburg, which actually is a mirror of the Lord's Shrine. Um, Uh, How gorgeous. Yeah. So there's just beautiful places like that all over the country. If you're able to travel internationally, you know, obviously the Vatican and St. Peter's are hot places to go. (laughs) Um, Definitely. But if you can't, there's always other options. Exactly. (laughs) The church makes it very accessible and um, you know, even just creating a shrine within your own home, starting in another room and walking to the shrine in your own home, you could definitely do as well. If you're someone that is homebound, either due to health or um, small children or <laughs> time constraints, that's a great way to do it as well. Um, and yeah. you can involve the whole family. Um, but one thing I also, okay, this is, this is my last Marian footnote. Um, <laughs> When I was growing up, one tradition that we had was um, at the beginning of May, ideally it was the start of May, but sometimes we didn't quite get things together in time. Um, we would do a procession through the house with um, a, uh, like a Marian procession to a new place in the home that we would create just during May to honor Our Lady since May is her month. Um, we would do a couple of hymns. Usually we would have like some candles and then crown her. We'd do like a little May crowning. Um, so it was a really beautiful uh, experience, especially as a kid, being able to kind of participate in those very tactile, um, uh, I guess, practices of yeah. you know, seeing 
beautiful fabric and the flower crown and walking and um, you know it kind of makes your home feel a little bit more holy which is always needed <laughs> um, it was a very easy way to involve the whole family so that's my last Marian footnote no I love that that's a beautiful practice to have and that's something you can even do so like to kind of bring our vocation differences here like you have a home which is more you have your you're married you have a little one so you can even mm-hmm. be doing those things now but even like me my roommates like we're really fortunate that we all share the catholic faith and we're able to talk about this we can do similar practices like we have an advent refill together during mm-hmm. advent oh, and just things too, like yeah. that yeah yeah just to kind of remind yourself that you don't have to have you don't have to have like be married or in your you know in that sort of vocational setting you can really bring yeah, sure. you know those practices wherever you are to help remind us that we're always called to journey on in our vocation in our life of Christ. So. Oh, I think that's great. That's wonderful. <clears throat> awesome. And I'll footnote the different books and resources that we talked about. And so oh, people yeah, can check great. those out. Yeah. Yeah. In the footnotes, but yeah. Well, Lizzie, is there anything else that we should include? Oh, I think that that's all I've got without uh, going off on another tangent and doubling <laughs> the time of the podcast, <laughs> which we're pretty good at that. I mean, if people yeah, could only hear like the time that we talk, to prepare they would be a little bit like oh my gosh <laughs> yes there's definitely a lot of a lot of talking and a lot of rabbit holes <laughs> what do they call them rabbit trails <laughs> i think rabbit holes are right i think that's like, like an Alice in wonderland thing yeah exactly that's how i always up. try to you never really know where you're gonna end up you end up in a wildly different area than you started off <laughs> yeah <laughs> drink me <laughs> that's right <laughs> anyways <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope that you have a blessed week. Bye. Bye.